0: One, two, three. Testing. One, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon. On the air. Broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Denying Church History. In previous episodes of Radio Free Mormon, we have covered in detail and documented with evidence attempts by the church to hide its history. We have talked about Joseph Fielding Smith's cutting out the 1832 account of the first vision from the letter book in which it was handwritten by Joseph Smith, taking those pages and st- stuffing them in a private safe in order to keep them from being viewed by members of the public and members of the church for over three decades. We have also talked about Boyd K. Packer's 1980s talk, The Mantle is Far, Far Greater Than the Intellect, in which he not only admitted to hiding church history and preaching a one-sided, sanitized, whitewashed version of church history, he advocated and encouraged and even threatened the teachers that they needed to do exactly the same thing or face eternal consequences if they did not. So those are the first two parts of this three-part dance. The first part is to hide church history. The second part is to get the church teachers to hide church history. And the third part is to deny that they're hiding church history. A listener to Radio Free Mormon wrote in with this email. As a bit of background, back in 2007, PBS released a four-hour documentary on two nights called The Mormons, and it caused a little bit of controversy within the church. In order to respond to that controversy, a television program called Utah Now, hosted by Doug Fabrizio, aired the same week as the PBS special back in 2007. It was a response to the PBS documentary. On it were interviewed a number of people associated with the church, a number of people who were not members but who were students of the church, to give their different perspectives and their different responses to this four-hour documentary. At the end of the documentary, in the last 12 to 13 minutes, was featured an interview with Elder Marlon Jensen, a member of the First Quorum of the Seventy and the Director of the Church History Department. It was this interview with Marlon Jensen that caught the attention of this listener to Radio Free Mormon. And this is what this listener says. I was listening to some YouTube videos. On a variety of LDS topics the other day, I stopped paying attention, so YouTube started playing next-up videos. I stumbled onto this old Doug Fabrizio interview from 2007, LDS response to the PBS documentary The Mormons. This listener then attaches a link, which will also be provided in the show notes to this episode. The listener continues in her email, I was shocked to hear what Marlon K. Jensen said to Doug Fabrizio. Found myself saying out loud, Lies! Exclamation point. I don't have an activist spirit, but thought maybe you or Radio Free Mormon might be interested in discussing it. This feels exactly like the conspiracy Radio Free Mormon calls out in Boyd K. Packer's talk, The Mantle is Far, Far Greater Than the Intellect. Well, I want to thank this listener for bringing this television program to my attention. It is certainly true that the church hides church history, tells its teachers to hide church history, And then denies that it hides church history, but this interview with Marlon Jensen I had not heard or seen before and it is an excellent example of exactly this third step in the process, the denying that the church hides church history, especially when it comes from a person like Marlon Jensen, who is the head of the church history department, who should know better and frankly does know better. He does know that the church hides church history. To hear him come out and say that the church does not hide church history is very disappointing because he knows he's not telling the truth when he's saying it. He's giving a public relations speech, not a view of reality as a historian, So what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to play excerpts from this interview with Marlon Jensen that was on the Utah Now TV show back in 2007. I will be interspersing my comments throughout the interview. And please, I would encourage you to actually watch the video of this interview. It is very interesting to see how Marlon Jensen composes himself during the interview. He's a very soft-spoken man. I'm sure he's a very kind man, a very nice man. And I'm sure he's also very nervous about being on TV. And being nervous, people will do strange things. One thing that I'm surprised to see him do is spend at least 75% of the time that he's on camera with what appears to be his eyes closed. It seems as if his eyes are closed while he's giving most of the interview, almost as if he's afraid of being hit by somebody for something that he says. And as we go on with the interview, what you're going to see is that he may well be concerned about being called on some of the things that he's going to say because... I think it's pretty apparent that he knows that what he's saying is not true and is easily and readily controverted by facts. I think his hope is is that the interviewer is going to let him slide by, will not confront him with those facts, will not do follow-up questions, will not challenge him on the accuracy of his incorrect statements, and he'll be able to slide by. And I think that may be why it is that he has his eyes closed for about 75% of the interview, just hoping that that haymaker does not come. And I'll talk a little bit more during the comments about something else he does and the way he answers his questions that suggests that he knows that what he's saying is not true and the way he structures his sentences in such a way as to try and minimize the possibility of giving the interviewer the opportunity to challenge him or to get in a contrary point of view and hold his feet to the fire. So here we go. Here's the interview with Marlon Jensen and I hope you enjoy it
1: tonight elder marlon k jensen a member of the lds church's first quorum of the 70 joined us this week jensen's assessment of the documentary comes from a few different angles clearly he represents church leadership But he also directs the church's history department, so he sees the film as an historian with an understanding of the past and of an idea of what's at stake in the future.
0: Here, Doug Fabrizio does a good job of introducing Marlon Jensen, who fills two roles in this interview. First, as an official representative of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and as a member of its Quorum of the Seventy, and secondly, as the church historian. What this interview is going to show, I think, is that the emphasis is definitely placed on Marlon Jensen being a representative of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as opposed to his being a historian. He will speak in historical terms, but I think the substance will show that he really is a representative of the Church. He is a PR person. And the more I listen to this, and the more I think about things, it seems that no matter what position a person has in the Church, really, their first and foremost position is PR. For example, more recently, Richard Turley, who has worked in the Church History Department for a number of years and produced or collaborated on a number of projects, recently got moved from the church history department to being the head of the public relations department for the church. It seemed very clear to me a year ago when Richard Turley went with Elder Oaks to Boise for what has come to be known as the Boise Rescue, that Richard Turley was operating less as a church historian and much more as a church PR person. So when he got transferred from being a church historian or in the church historian's office, to being the head of the PR department, I see that more as a lateral move. He's simply doing the same thing he was before, but with a different title.
2: I think treating a subject of faith is different than treating other subjects. Uh, This is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It isn't necessarily dependent on Madison Avenue for its validity. Stop the
0: tape. This is one of the many places where Marlon Jensen is going to parse his words very carefully. Now, in theory, I think we can all accept the idea that the truth of the church's message is not dependent upon Madison Avenue. However, the implication that is being made here is that the church does not use Madison Avenue or professional advertising agencies in order to tailor the church's message, find out what would be most acceptable to the public, most interesting to the public, and then use those findings in order to get that message out to the public For example, the New York Times ran an article stating, Top Mormon leaders hired two big-name advertising agencies in 2009 to find out what Americans think of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Mormon leaders hire these agencies using tithing dollars to find out what it is that Americans think so that they could then tailor a message to the Americans who are non-members that they would find acceptable and hopefully interest them in Mormonism. It was the result of this use of Madison Avenue that the church then formulated with the help of Madison Avenue and then produced and presented with the help of Madison Avenue their famous I'm a Mormon campaign. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with this practice by the church using Madison Avenue in order to help come up with a good PR campaign for the church and try and interest non-members in the message of Mormonism, but to the extent that Marlon Jensen is suggesting or implying that Madison Avenue plays no part in the presentation of the message of Mormonism, that the church leaders simply present the message on their own, and that the truth of the message is self-evident and will stand on its own, that implication is contrary to the facts." Continuing now with Marlon Jensen's interview. Or its popularity. And so I think our anxiety might have just had to do with whether or not
2: in the process of dealing with all of the what's and the and the wherefores and the hows and the whens, but, uh, that we'd also deal with the why. Of Mormonism, And I think, generally speaking, again, that was dealt with. Maybe not in the depth and in the way we would have done it ourselves, but uh, those of us who have come to know Helen Whitney, I think, appreciate her great talent, her intellectual honesty, and the tremendous effort she made, really, to portray us as we are.
0: Stop the tape. I think it's important here to acknowledge the fact that Marlon Jensen is being very gracious here in his comments about the documentary, The Mormon by Helen Whitney. The documentary may not have presented Mormonism in exactly the way that the Church would like Mormonism to be presented, but overall it was fair, and kudos to Marlon Jensen for acknowledging the fact that overall it was fair, and it did take a good-faith effort into trying to understand and portray the Mormons fairly.
1: Did you get a sense, you mentioned the word essence there before, and I wondered if you got a sense that this went beyond just sort of a snapshot of faith dealing with particular controversies of the story of Mormonism and got at what may have been at least your perception of the Again, the essence of Marlon
2: I think of this in terms of someone watching the program who isn't of our faith. What would they have come away from with an impression of our church? And I think I think they would have had the essence. I think they would have had our beginnings with Joseph Smith, the sacredness of our scripture, the challenging but I think faithful history that we've had, and, and the wonderful, at least
0: in my opinion, way of life that we carry out today. Stop the tape. Again, I want to give credit to Marlon Jensen for his fair and balanced approach to his comments about the documentary the mormons on pbs many mormons and i know because i used to be one of these kinds of mormons but many mormons are only satisfied and only happy if a representation of their faith is 100% positive, if basically whatever is seen on PBS is exactly the kind of history and representation of Mormonism that we're used to hearing in Sunday School and at General Conference. So I want to say credit to Marlon Jensen again for recognizing the fact that there is a challenging history in the church, that presenting the challenging history as was done in the PBS special The Mormons is not necessarily anti-Mormon or critical of the church, but actually dealing with some of the actual challenging issues in history that do exist. Continuing with the tape.
1: Do you think that... um that too much time was spent on the question of polygamy, for example, uh, mountain meadows. In that first hour, there was a good amount of time proportionally spent on that, and it's one common thread of criticism that I'm hearing. What do you think about that?
2: Well, I, I would probably agree. I mean, I thought as we started with uh, with the beginnings, with Revelation, and and uh, progressed through the persecutions and the exodus, and uh, and then spent a good deal of that first segment on what I would consider, at least in the case of mountain meadows, you know an aberration in the history of the church, <laughs> a tragic one. But to keep proportion in a broadcast like that, I thought maybe those two items were treated too extensively. And, and again, I thought they were treated reasonably well. But uh, if you're looking at the whole spectrum of Mormonism, certainly Mountain Meadows doesn't define our character as a church. Stop the tape.
0: Again, I think it's fair to say that Marlon Jensen is being fair and balanced here. It's certainly reasonable to see a criticism of the documentary as focusing too much on Mountain Meadows or polygamy or ostensibly negative things about Mormonism rather than the positive things about Mormonism. Once again, this gets back to the idea that a Mormon PR person is going to want everything to be positive. But Marlon Jensen is being balanced, at least, in recognizing that some negative is going to have to come in there in order for it to be fair. However, the idea of Mountain Meadows... is very important in Mormon history in at least this one regard because it demonstrates the awful and terrible results that can come from unquestioning blind obedience to church authority. Another thing about Mountain Meadows is that the church strove diligently to hide that history of what the Mormons had done there at Mountain Meadows and to blame it on the Indians. To rewrite history, in other words, to make it so that Mormons were not to blame, but somebody else was to blame for bad things happening. This ironically, continues to some extent in the balance of what Marlon Jensen is going to be saying, because he will be talking about how Mormonism does not hide its history, even in the face of Mountain Meadows, where there is already an established track record of Mormonism trying its best to hide its history. Continuing with the tape, he will now talk about polygamy. And polygamy, I think any Bible-believing people uh, realized in the Old Testament there
2: were polygamists, and in turn we've had a chapter of our history where there were. So I think that could have been treated in a better perspective than it was. But
0: Stop the tape. Here we begin to see Marlon Jensen sliding into the PR persona as a representative of the church, and as basically an apologist for the church, when he talks about polygamy being presented the way it was in the documentary, and his thoughts that it could have been better presented if it had mentioned biblical polygamists, or in other words, men who practice polygamy in the Bible. His concern seems to be in presenting Mormonism to a Bible-believing America in such a way as to harmonize with the Bible and the actions of biblical patriarchs, even though, in fact, nowhere in the Bible does God ever command polygamy. It is simply a practice that was done by the ancient Hebrews, never with God's explicit sanction or command.
2: But again, just just to have it aired and to have it treated in the respectful way it was, I think, was still a plus for the church. We have nothing to hide about those episodes, and so to get them out in the way that they were presented, I don't think, hurt the church.
0: Stop the tape. Now we begin to hear Marlon Jensen view things in terms of whether the episode hurts the church. This is the attitude of an apologist, not a historian. His concern is not necessarily for the truth, but what information hurts the church versus what information does not hurt the church, which is more the realm of a PR person than a historian. It's understandable the church has it set up such that the head of the church historian's office is a general authority now. And so obviously he's going to have to wear two hats, but it seems pretty clear that the one hat that he wears as apologist and PR guy is much bigger and much more prominent than the other hat he wears as a historian. Also notice that he says that the church has nothing to hide about polygamy. This is in 2007. The church has plenty to hide about polygamy, and the church has continued to hide many things about polygamy. It was only recently, in the last couple of years, that the church under pressure from the dissemination of information on the internet and the easy accessibility of information to its members about the real facts about polygamy finally came forward with a series of essays on its own website regarding polygamy and Joseph Smith regarding the fact that he had approximately 33 wives that about 11 of them were married to other men at the time that he married them and that some of them were teenage girls some as young as 14 years old at the time that Joseph Smith married them when Marlon Jensen gave the this interview in 2007, he, as the head of the Church Historian's Department, was surely well aware of all of this information and knew that the Church had plenty to hide about Joseph's mispractice of polygamy and was in fact hiding it even at the time and even as he spoke these words in the interview. I am suggesting, as gently as I can, that Marlon Jensen, when he's saying the Church has nothing to hide about polygamy, is being perhaps a little less than honest in this interview.
1: Well, the idea of getting, uh, you know, the truth out that you have nothing to hide is sort of where I wanted to go next. Because the documentary presented, if not a comprehensive history, certainly an extensive one, which included, of course, use the word, the challenging parts of your history, certainly warts and all. And I wonder if you think the... If you dispute any of those aspects, um, or if you welcome the fact that some of the untidy parts of Norman history were were presented, or if you were uneasy about that. You know, my own
2: personal view of this is that truth will always fare pretty well in the marketplace of ideas.
0: Stop the tape. The questions are going to start getting closer and closer to home now as Doug Fabrizio focuses in on this issue of how much the church really tells of its own history. Marlon Jensen starts off, interestingly enough, not by stating the church position, but by making it very clear that he is expressing his own personal opinion that the truth will always fare pretty well in the marketplace of ideas. The question then becomes, if that's his real personal opinion, how does he square that internally, himself, with his knowledge at the time that the The Church is doing anything but being open, fair, and honest in expressing the truth about its history and seeing how it fares in the marketplace of ideas. And sure, we have our warts and freckles, but uh,
2: uh, taken in the totality of our history. And, and I like what Christ himself said about prophets. He said, beware of false ones who come in sheep's clothing and are really ravening wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. And when one looks over the long term at the fruits of Joseph Smith as a prophet of God, I think those fruits bear out that he was a prophet. And so if along the way there were a few fits and starts because of the humanity that we all possess, I think that's something we should just own up to and honestly
0: Stop the tape. Again, kudos to Marlon Jensen for saying that the fits and starts and the problems due to our humanity should be honestly dealt with. But of course, he makes this distinction between humanity versus Joseph Smith as a prophet. Anything that he sees as good shows that Joseph Smith was a prophet. Anything that was not good was a fit or start in the history that just shows his humanity. This becomes especially problematic when dealing with the issue of polygamy because saying that is Joseph Smith's humanity coming to the begs the question of how it is that there is a revelation in our Doctrine and Covenants today, section 132, ostensibly received by Joseph Smith from God, commanding polygamy. Here's where the two collide. Is that his humanity? Is it his prophetic nature. Is that Joseph Smith operating as a human, or is it Joseph Smith operating as a prophet? And if it's both of them coming together, then how on earth is it that we can tell at this point, when is Joseph Smith acting as a prophet? When is he acting as a man? If he says that he receives a revelation from God, and that that is actually a display of his humanity, then how is it that we can judge any other revelation that he claimed to have received from God, being Joseph Smith acting as a prophet, or Joseph Smith acting as a man. Continuing with the interview. Do you think over
1: time uh that within the church, whether officially or or not, that some of the true aspects of, of Mormon history has maybe not been hidden, but most people in the effort to Tell the faith-promoting stories of Mormonism that some of these aspects have um, not been apparent to the faithful and that seeing them in a context like this, it may be surprising or disturbing. I mean, do do the faithful know about these aspects, do you think?
0: stop the tape. Here, Doug Fabrizio puts the question in the fairest possible terms, not specifically asking whether the church has been hiding its history, but simply whether it's been emphasizing positive aspects of its history over negative aspects of its history, to the point that members have heard only the positive history and therefore may be surprised when they hear in the PBS documentary some of the aspects of negative history which they have not encountered before. Marlon Jensen's response is illuminating.
2: I think that's Uh,
0: That's mixed,
2: actually. I think, uh, by and large, educated, well-read people will know almost all of the things that were presented on this broadcast. Others who maybe don't read as widely or haven't been as interested in the church's history or its doctrine may have been surprised
0: by a thing or two. Stop the tape. I think that what Marlon Jensen says here is technically accurate, that those members of the church who are widely read and have studied church history will probably not be a surprise as those members who are not interested in church history and have not done the reading and the research. What Marlon Jensen does not say, however, is that any research that those well-read members have done has to be in non-church correlated sources. In other words, they have to be going off the reservation, reading things that are not sanctioned by the church in order to find out these things about the church that are covered in this documentary and therefore not be surprised by them. The other thing that's interesting that Marlon Jensen does not say here is he does not say that those members who have attended church faithfully and regularly will not be surprised by what's in this documentary. And the reason why is because what is presented at church 24-7 is going to be the core. Related, whitewashed version of church history. There is nothing about attending church for a lifetime that is going to prepare a Mormon for what's in this documentary. And when it comes to attending church as a Mormon, it is a significant period of time. Everybody knows that Mormons go to church for a three-hour block every Sunday. There are meetings in addition to this. There is general conference in addition to this. There is seminary classes in addition to this. There are institute classes in addition to this. There are firesides in addition to this. But if we just take the 3-hour block, 3 hours every week, there are 52 weeks in a year. If we round that down to 50, three times 50 is 150 hours of church instruction every year just at the regular church meetings. In 10 years, you multiply that 150 times 10, and that's 1,500 hours of church instruction just at church in the 3-hour block every 10 years. If you do the math on that, that comes to 62.5 days of Solid church instruction every ten years that every faithful Mormon receives. It is remarkable that attending church over a period of 10 years, and most Mormons have been going for more than 10 years, and you can do the math on that yourself, receiving 1,500 hours of church instruction over the course of 10 years is not going to prepare any Mormon for the negative aspects of church history which they're going to encounter in this documentary. Going on with the interview. But I
2: think the church has never attempted to conceal these things. Almost everything about the church and
0: its history is in the public domain in some form. Stop the tape. Marlon Jensen says two things here that need to be commented on. The first thing is that he has gone from parsing the truth to actually making misstatements of the truth. The first thing he says is that he thinks the church has never tried to hide this information. That is false. The church has not only tried to hide the information, the church has hidden the information in many instances. In fact, in an earlier episode, we talked about how Joseph Fielding Smith, as the church historian, hid the 1832 account of the First Vision, and he did it by cutting the pages out of a letter book and hiding those pages in his safe so the public could not know about them. We would still not know about them, except that after three decades of their being in his safe, the existence of that First Vision account was leaked to the public and forced his hand to release that account. So when Marlon Jensen says, that the church has not tried to hide its history, that is a flat-out falsehood. He follows it up very quickly by saying that he thinks that most of the negative information about the church is already available in the public domain. Yes, that's true. What he doesn't say is the fact that it is now in the public domain, in spite of the church's best efforts to keep this negative information hidden and secret.
2: And I think uh, the worst thing that could happen to us as a church is to have the impression out there that we're some, in some way putting something in the back vault.
0: Stop the tape. Did Marlon Jensen actually say what I think he just said? He said the worst thing that could happen is for the impression to be out there that the church is hiding its history. Yes, that is the worst thing that could happen. And that's exactly what is happening as more and more members are finding out that the church has been hiding its history from them. This gets back to what we talked about before. Only those who are widely read and study deeply in non-church approved sources find out this history. If they go to church, if they just read church-approved sources, they are never going to find out about this negative history. And making matters worse is, he says that it would be bad if the public thought the church was hiding this negative history in a vault. That's what he said, in a vault. That's exactly what Joseph Fielding Smith did as church historian, was take the 1832 account of the first vision, in which Joseph Smith mentioned seeing only one being, Jesus Christ, in the first vision, not two and he took it and cut it out of the letter book in which it was written by Joseph Smith and hid it in a vault. Surely, Marlon Jensen knows that as church historian. It is incredible that he's willing to commit himself to that proposition.
2: We we don't do that. I've been amazed, really, in my term of service as a general authority, how open and forthcoming the church leaders always are to requests to talk about our history.
0: Stop the tape. You have got to be kidding me. The general authorities have always been open and forthcoming about requests about their history, that is the exact opposite of the truth. And I've got to think that Marlon Jensen knows that. I am aware of no instance in which any church leader has been open about its church history in response to requests from anybody. Rather, the opposite is the case, and the historical record demonstrates that the church has done everything it can to hide negative aspects of church history, to not talk about negative aspects of church history, and to try and keep its members from learning about negative aspects of church history.
2: On the other hand, I think you can distort the church's history by placing an undue emphasis on, on the weaknesses of people. I think that all has to be kept into perspective. And, you know, if, if Mormonism is this much, then some of those things we talked about on the broadcast are just that much.
0: Stop the tape. Here, Marlon Jensen is making the rather uncontroversial point that focusing on negative aspects of anything can overwhelm the positive aspects, can make the negative aspects seem bigger in proportion to positive aspects. What we're going to find out as he goes along, that really what he's doing is stating this obvious truth, much as Boyd K. Packer stated this obvious truth, not as a reason for keeping negative things in context, really as a reason for omitting negative things altogether. The negative should not be mentioned, only the positive. And the only reason I say this about Marlon Jensen is because of what he's going to say shortly hereafter in the interview.
1: Well, you know, the, the question did come up in the uh, documentary about whether or not the, the, uh, the strain of um, intellectualism was being... Um, criticized uh, was being put aside uh, that people who really did want to explore all aspects of Mormonism uh, were somehow being ostracized or even um, you know taken from the church how do, you, how do you react to that that's
2: one thing about the broadcast I personally really, really regretted because that is a totally false picture I think of what the Gospel of Jesus Christ really encourages I mean the glory of God is intelligence and the Book of Mormon though does add that it's it's good to be learned when we hearken to the counsels of god so there is again that balance but the idea that somehow mormonism is anti-intellectual is preposterous
0: stop the tape it's preposterous that anyone could get the idea that mormonism is against intellectualism where on earth could they possibly get that idea i don't know maybe from a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, maybe from Elder Boyd K. Packer, maybe from his talk to the All-Church Coordinating Council given on May 18, 1993. Let's quote from that. It is so easy to be turned about without realizing that it has happened to us. This is what Boyd K. Packer is saying. This is 1993. This is 14 years before this interview with Marlon Jensen. There are three areas where members of the church influenced by social and political unrest, are being caught up and led away. I chose these three because they have made major invasions into the membership of the church. In each, the temptation is for us to turn about and face the wrong way, and it is hard to resist for doing it seems so reasonable and right. The dangers I speak of come from the gay-lesbian movement, the feminist movement, and the ever-present challenge, wait for it, and the ever-present challenge from the so-called scholars or intellectuals. How on earth is it that anybody could get the idea from this quote that the LDS Church is against intellectualism? Do
1: you have to do you think, Elder Jensen, tread lightly with the faithful in instructing them how to deal with aspects of the past? There's the faith promotion part, there's the being positive part, then there's the... You know, sort of raw, rough truth there. How do you instruct the faithful to balance all of that? Well, I think uh, one would
2: always have to consider the audience. Yeah. That's, that's a critical part. You're not going to to print the same things or say the same same things to youth, for instance, or children that you would to a, an
0: educated audience. Stop the tape. Marlon Jensen now is talking about what generally, once again, sounds like a good idea, but when compared with what really happens in Mormonism, does not match the reality test. He says, It depends upon the education of the audience. You wouldn't say the same things to the youth as you would to the adults. That's correct. Unfortunately, in the Mormon church, the same thing is said to the youth as is said to the adult. He gives the impression that when church leaders are addressing an adult audience or a more educated audience, they're actually going to say more things than they say to the youth. That's not true in the LDS church. What is told to the youth is what is told to the grown-ups, is what is told to the old people. It is a very saying in Mormonism, that you never really graduate from primary. This is why in the last 10 years, the high priest group, the oldest, most seasoned people in the church, and the Relief Society, including the oldest and most seasoned people in the church, were given a manual, which was simply a rewrite of the investigator's manual, because the goal is to keep telling the members of the church the same whitewashed, correlated, basic, unchallenging history from cradle to grave.
2: (laughs) But again, to have the impression that somehow the church would tailor its history or doctor its history and make it more palpable or palatable is untrue. I think our our purpose is to build faith in Jesus Christ.
0: Stop the tape. Now Elder Jensen is flat out lying. He is saying that it is not true that the church tailors or doctors its history. When the church has been doctoring its history from the very beginning. If you want documentation for that, please go to prior episodes regarding the great church history cover-up and hiding church history. These are just two instances that are illustrative of how the church has hidden its church history, has tailored it, has doctored it, has done everything it can to promote only one-sided, whitewashed history of the LDS church. And for Marlon Jensen to come on an interview in 2007 and say, That it is false and not true that the church has tailored and doctored its history is nothing short of lying through his teeth. I'm sorry to put it so bluntly, but Marlon Jensen knew he was lying when he said it, and I'm calling it a lie now. Please notice something about Marlon Jensen. When he tells a lie, what he does is he immediately goes into the next sentence, so there's no break between the lie he has just told and the next sentence. The next sentence will be something that will not be controversial. The point of his doing that, I think, is to make it so there's no break in the sentence, so there's no opportunity for the interviewer to come in and challenge him on what he has just said. If the interviewer knows the facts that contradict what Marlon Jensen just said, he doesn't want to give the interviewer the opportunity to interpose those facts, to interrupt the false narrative he's giving. So that's what he does here. He goes immediately from that false statement into saying that it's the job of the church to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, of course, who can argue with that? That is, of course, the job of the church. But what is underneath that statement of the job of the church is that the church is so busy teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that it doesn't have time to actually get into or talk about or teach the challenging aspects of church history or anything negative about its leaders. Because in the 150 hours per year in church, the 1500 hours every 10 years, it is so busy teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, it just doesn't have the time to get into any of that negative history. And that is the dodge that is going on there from my perspective. That's what we want to
2: have happen for all of mankind. But you don't do that by concealing the truth or by covering up some One's faults. We all have them. And in fact, that's why we have Christ, so that if we make
0: mistakes, we don't have to be condemned by them forever. Stop the tape. Again, Marlon Jensen makes a general statement, which is true, which is you don't teach the truth by covering up the truth and by covering up people's faults. And yet this general statement, which makes absolute sense and no one can argue with, is exactly the opposite of what the LDS Church does. It covers up the faults of its church leaders. Not only does it cover up the faults of its church leaders, it makes it a sin to criticize the church leaders, even if the criticism is true. As Elder Oaks has famously told the Mormons, you should not criticize church leaders even if the criticism is true. Implicit in that statement is that there are criticisms that could be true, and yet the cover-up is so extensive and so vast and so rigidly enforced that the members are not to mention any faults of their church leaders, even if those faults are correct, even if those criticisms are true. Marlon Jensen knows that. So at one and the same time, he's speaking in platitudes of what is true, generally speaking, while knowing at the same time he's saying it, that this is exactly the opposite of what the LDS church that he represents does and has done for decades. So I think we have to have discretion not all truth is useful, uh, someone said once. Stop the tape. This is the part of the talk that absolutely blew my mind. Up to this point... It is possible to think that Marlon Jensen maybe does not know that the church has been actively hiding its history, even though, as the head of the church history department, he should know that the church has been hiding its history. But here, he tips his hand and lets us know that, yes, he does know exactly that the church has been hiding its history, because he makes this comment, this quote, as somebody said once, not all truths are useful. I think that everybody here who's listened to the first episode of Radio Free Mormon knows exactly where that quote comes. From. And that quote comes from Elder Boyd K. Packer's infamous talk, The Mantle is Far, Far Greater Than the Intellect. That is the talk where he said to the teachers throughout the church that he wants them to hide negative aspects of church history and teach only the positive aspects of church history. He tells them that he wants them to doctor church history. He tells them that he wants them to tailor church history. And if they do not doctor and tailor church history as Elder Boyd K. Packer directs, they are going to have a very bad time come Judgment Day. So when Marlon Jensen quotes this, He doesn't say Boyd K. Packer, but notice how he laughs. He knows perfectly well, he's quoting Boyd K. Packer, he knows perfectly well the talk that it comes from, and he knows perfectly well that that talk is all about hiding church history. So now he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's saying, well, we need to be completely open, we need to be completely honest, but we have to have discretion too, which means, going back to Boyd K. Packer, that really, we're not going to be open, we're not going to be honest, it's the same O, same O, and all he's doing is trying to talk for a public audience trying to say the things that sound right while still things are going to be business as usual whitewashed sanitized versions of church history
2: we are a generation that wants to be transparent and tell everything and i don't know that that's the way to approach any history especially church history so there has to be judgment and discretion but
0: stop the tape is it just me or is marlon jensen now saying the exact opposite of what he was saying just a few minutes ago A few minutes ago, he was saying we don't hide anything, we don't suppress anything, we don't tailor anything, we don't doctor anything, we tell the whole truth, but now all of a sudden, he's saying exactly the opposite, that we don't want to tell everything about any kind of history, and especially church history. It seems psychologically that what happened is he was giving the first answers because they sound good. All of a sudden, in the middle of it, he remembers this quote from Boyd K. Packer. He quotes the quote, not all truth is useful, and now he suddenly reminds himself that the church leaders whom he represents are going to be watching this tv episode and he better start towing the line
2: we would love our members to be fully informed and aware of
0: everything (laughs) Stop the tape. Am I the only one who's getting whiplash? Now he's back to the original thing he said. First he says, There is no suppression. There's no doctoring. There's no tailoring. We tell everything. We don't hide the faults. Now he goes to saying, But we don't tell everything because no history should tell everything, especially not church history. And now immediately he's saying again, But we want our members to know everything. Well, if they want their members to know everything, why don't they tell them everything? Why is it always such a shell game? Why is it always such hide the ball? And why is it, that Marlon Jensen cannot stay on message. He goes back and forth faster than a politician. And the reason why, I think, is because at one and the same time, he is trying to please not only the public perception of Mormonism, but also trying to please his leaders, whom he represents in this interview. At this point, I'm going to edit out a little bit of the interview with Marlon Jensen because I don't think it's really particularly noteworthy, but please feel free to listen to its entirety in the link provided in the program notes to this episode. I'm going to go now to the very final question asked by Doug Fabrizio of Marlon Jensen in this interview.
1: So let me ask you that question um, that he he asks finally, whether Mormonism can survive its history and move into the future. As an historian, how do you react to
2: that question? Well, not only will we we survive our history, we couldn't live without our history. There is really no other church for whom its history means so much. Very few people would know about the origins of the Methodist Church or whether the Presbyterian Church, but Mormonism really rises or falls on its
0: history. Stop the tape. With these words, Marlon Jensen summarizes the essential conundrum of Mormonism and its relationship with its own history. Mormonism can be seen to rise or fall with its history. That is a fundamentalist viewpoint, it is a black or white viewpoint, and it is the viewpoint that is promoted by the Church, and hence by Marlon Jensen in this interview. The problem is the uneasy relationship that Mormonism has with its history. If it does rise or fall with its history, then what happens when the history history that's been taught for over a hundred years by the church ends up not being the real history at all, when there end up being conflicting accounts to that history that the church itself has suppressed and edited and tailored and doctored, yes, and hidden away in vaults from its members, all in an attempt to keep the members from learning what the real history is. If the Church rises or falls with its history, once again, Marlon Jensen is back to his position of saying, we want the Church to know everything about its history, in spite of the fact that we're doing everything we can to keep the Church from finding out everything about its history. And that is the essential conundrum of Mormonism in the present day, and the difficulty which it must address going forward. But what Mormonism cannot do to resolve this difficulty with its history is, is to continue in the same pattern going forward as it has done in the past. Because what it's done in the past is, first off, it's hidden church history. Second off, it has directed its teachers to hide church history. And third, it has denied that it is hidden church history. That's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.